0: Hey everyone, we're closing in on the end of the year. It's DF Direct Weekly number 91. Energies are flagging here, but we're going to power through this one and deliver hopefully a good show and there's certainly plenty to discuss. So first of all, joining me, John Linneman.
1: Season's greeting, Rich. Uh, It's good to to talk to you one last time on DF Direct this year, I think. We're not doing one next week. I don't know.
0: We'll see. Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Maybe a special
1: (laughs) holiday one, but yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay. And uh, looking suitably festive, Alex Battaglia. Ah, hello! (laughs) Um, What was that? What what on earth? (laughs) I was just just reading up on
2: something about the holiday season uh, on my laptop here really quickly. I was just thinking maybe this
0: was some Uh, mechanism to scare children. That is also that too. But no,
2: I'm I'm decked out. Um, (laughs) We'll be talking about decked out stuff later on as well Mm. too. Uh, And
0: I'm excited to be here before the holiday. Brilliant. Okay, so let's kick off with our first news topic. Um, not especially a huge amount of information to this one, but it is welcome news nonetheless. Uh, Marvel Spider-Man 2, the sequel um, for PlayStation 5, initially it's coming. It's got a, a tentative release date, fall, uh, that's autumn in the UK, uh, 2023. Not too much to say about this other than, John, this is pretty prolific work rate from Insomniac here, right? It is. And based on
1: based on what we've seen in the teaser, I would say that the correct subtitle would be Marvel Spider-Man 2 Spider-Man, uh, you know, with Miles Morales yeah. and Peter Parker in there. But yes, uh, I commented on this yesterday, and it's just Insomniac's output this generation so far, and in general, actually, their output is kind of insane when you look at it. These guys are really good at turning around games, getting them out on schedule, a relatively bug free, uh, delivering great game design, beautiful visuals like it's it's an impressive achievement. Mm-hmm. Now obviously you know, two of their PS5 games were, Spider-Man, Miles Morales and sorry, Marvel's Spider-Man, Miles Morales <laughs> and Marvel's Spider-Man remastered, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. which was, you know, kind of a remake. But still, they shipped three games already on PS3 before some of the other big studios have even shipped one on this generation of consoles. You know, I'm very curious to see what happens with Spider-Man 2, Marvel's Spider-Man 2. I'm just going to keep doing that. They didn't do that. And there's uh, those court documents, by the way, <laughs> for the uh, the Activision thing. They, they never put Marvels in there and I could just see the Marvel lawyers getting really irritated by that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I guess the big question I have is what, where is this going to take place? Is it just going to be the same city again that's been up- upgraded? Are they going to take it somewhere new like we've seen in some of the more recent uh, Spider-Man films? Uh, I right. wonder. But either way, you know, this is going to be like Ratchet, a PS5 exclusive, so I would assume that some of the decisions they've made in regards to the technology and the environment design will have been made with that in mind, right? So Mm -hmm. that's exciting.
0: I'm just curious as to whether they're going to go for co-op on this, since there is uh, both Miles and Peter in there. Which I'd love to see. I think it would be uh, what they would call a game changer. Um,
1: I kind of wish they would play with some uh, multiverse stuff, you know, given how Ratchet went with all the portals and, you know, going between the different realities. I feel like they have the capabilities to do that and could do something fun in the second right. game here. I don't, well, possibly. I don't know if they'll do that, but that would be cool, I think.
0: Um, mm-hmm. Well, you know, the whole Spider-Verse thing. Well, that's the other thing, of course. Uh, the Insomniac Spider-Man is in the next Spider-Verse movie, which I thought was awesome. Uh, I guess the concept of the of the Spider-Verse and uh, different uh, universes, it's it's kind of like, deep lore at this point it kind of happened Mm -hmm. in the comics decades into the into the run yeah 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 and uh, there's there's still a huge amount to of of existing material just set within new york for them to mine so i I suspect they'll still be in new york possibly a a bigger new york i'm not sure if queens was in uh, marvel spider-man and miles morales and um uh, queens is where peter parker lives so, or, or at least hails from. So maybe there'll be a bigger New York. Um, I would be quite happy with a city of the same size, but simply retooled, redesigned to be, um, you know, fully exploiting the PlayStation 5. I just think without the boat anchor of the old console to, to hold them back, uh, there's a lot of opportunity here to actually produce a really rich experience. That's kind of what we were seeing in that trailer, teaser, uh, where, it, you know, it, it looked unlike the previous games. Right. It looked richer. It looks more um, I, interesting.
1: I'm excited to see what they do with ray tracing going forward because I think Insomniac's one of the few console developers so far to really embrace it right from the start and do some amazing stuff with it. Uh, yeah, and absolutely. I'm hoping that they take it one step further this time. Especially, we it's, know they can achieve 60 FPS with it, so I could almost see them having a light ray tracing mode and then a heavier ray tracing mode or something like that you know Mm -hmm. Uh, that would be great any thoughts from
0: you Alex on what you want to say (laughs) from this one
2: Uh, no I just um, uh, hard to say because I haven't actually other than playing them far enough for reviews I haven't beaten these games or anything like that yet um so I uh, don't have many expectations, but I, I'm actually, regarding the Spider-Man stuff, uh, I was surprised that they could do Ratchet & Clank parallel with all the Spider-Man stuff, but Spider-Man 2, I think its development timeframe makes actually quite a bit of uh, sense because they already updated a lot of the New York assets um for Miles Morales uh, and remastered partially on PlayStation 5, so I'd imagine we're going to see a lot of actually... Uh, similar-looking New York, but with just, like, more flushed out detail in some areas that are mm-hmm. story-specific for the next game and things like that. Uh, I don't imagine they're going to make it something like you can walk in every building. One, that there's no gameplay purpose to that. And yeah. two, uh, there's no reason for that obsessive... Did, did you, know, you ever that, go through that, that phase, Alex, detail. by
1: the way? Like... I don't know, 10, uh, 20 one? years ago, I used to think, man, wouldn't it be cool if you could go inside every building until I realized, like, actually, that's horrible. I <laughs> yeah, don't, what you don't, do don't want to do that. It's I'm, a bad idea. I'm not,
2: sure, uh, I'm not sure if I went through that phase. I definitely had the phase, and I still have it, where I think most things should be destructible. Um, but that, that is, that's is—that's—that's something that's also far off, um, probably, from just like a technology, unless Fortnite. technology perspective. Unless you're Fortnite. <laughs> Uh, and then the things just disappear. I know, I, know. I know, different know. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but either way, um, yeah, so I, I'd imagine, I think it makes sense that they could push it out in that time. It's just a matter of, like, they have to do a whole bunch of performance capture, <laughs> like, so much, and polish all the cut scenes, you know. I think the gameplay loop is actually probably going to be basically a lot what we saw before with uh, Miles Morales and Spider-Man Sure
0: okay yeah they've literally given away nothing apart from the teaser from last year that's right so um yeah everything to play for we're still going into this one blind and it's kind of like the way I, I i like it i think with the previous marvel spider-man the 2018 game we actually saw quite a bit of the game over years and it actually felt like you know when it by the time it finally came out it was like wow it took this long to get this far but you know just announcing it last year and then bringing it out next year I guess that kind of feels a bit more natural to me
1: I think they want to Um, avoid Puddlegate again, (laughs) like they're going to do everything they, they can to ensure that does not happen again
0: I've got to, uh, while we're here, while we're talking Spider Man, I've got to highlight Alex's uh, Spider Man meme in the uh, Portal oh, RTX that, video. That I'm, good. I'm happy people yeah, like
2: I that. that.
0: Which is just yeah. awesome. <laughs> you you, you used the Spider Man meme to basically explain hybrid rasterization of right. RT and path tracing. This is just awesome. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Spider Man replaced Turok had Joshua.
2: Yeah, for, for that one, I thought it was just germane for some reason. I have no idea why.
0: I just liked it when uh, the reflected version popped up in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> that was the that was the crowning glory of that. <laughs> I think that's all we've really got to say about this. Except obviously, we're hugely excited about it, and uh, more to the point, it adds to a 2023 that's already heaving oh, with, yeah. uh, Ooh, my with, goodness. with big game yeah, releases. We're going to be extremely busy and um, can't wait to, to see all of these games. But Spider-Man especially, I've got a feeling it's going to be awesome. So brilliant stuff. Uh, let's move on to the next news topic. This one came out of nowhere last night. <laughs> um, essentially, uh, Hideo Kojima, Kojima Productions, Death Stranding, it's turning into a movie. And um, not a huge amount of details given other than the fact it's coming. But John, you've completed the game. Can you see Death Stranding as a game transition into a movie?
1: I mean, I would have said no, but obviously that is happening. So it's difficult to argue with that.
0: <laughs> Why? Why not? Uh,
1: so the reason I said is because the game design itself is built around this like concept of loneliness. And that is something that can be communicated in film, obviously. But it's... <sighs> The cinematic moments only work when they're contrasted against those moments of loneliness and going across the landscape and facing those challenges. Like you're you're on that journey in a way, and it's one of those few open world games where it actually did feel like you were making your way across like a huge swath of land and uh, actually trying to survive. In a way, it was pretty engaging in that sense, and just all the mystery and weirdness of it. I feel like that stuff works pretty well within a game, but I don't know translating that to a film takes a a lot of filmmaking skill it's not an easy task to pull off right and kojima i i don't know how did did they say if kojima's involved in the film or is this i would assume to some degree he's not going to pass up an opportunity to work on a film right on a film (laughs) yeah
2: he's been wanting to make films ever since like the first exactly my only suggestion
1: though is i think the they should cast um jeff Keeley as norman reedus i think that would be perfect. (laughs) oh <laughs> uh, my wow. yeah, word i would be in i'm just it.
0: fine i'm just reading the press release here with a with a view to figuring out um what's what's going, what's going on. on and the answer is uh, not a lot <laughs> um okay. but it's saying kojima under his kojima productions banner and lebovici under his hammerstone studios banner will develop what's and stone? produce with hammerstone also fully financing Kojima Productions US and Alan Ungar will executive produce. So Kojima is producer. He's, it, there's no indication that he's writing. Yeah. Or, or, or there's not even any indication of the extent to which he's involved with the plot or whatever. Um, I think it's a really curious turn. And um, obviously Jeff is a lark. But what about Norman Reedus? What about oh, Leia I, I think they'd all be in there. You think? It
2: would be so weird for people that... They're reprising their, you know, the characters in the second game, and all of a sudden, yeah. to not use no, those actors when they're already in they, the role, it would be so. That's what bizarre. they do, right?
1: Like, that's. So it doesn't. Yeah. It really wouldn't make sense to go that way, I feel.
2: Yeah. And. I'll, and also in the era of like MCU, like it's it's obvious that it's not about the characters anymore in a lot of ways. It's actually about the actor inhibiting. The, like the, like it, the characters live beyond the actors, obviously. But like people didn't buy that. Um, <laughs> sorry, what's the name of the Marvel's Avengers game because it didn't have like your MCU people in it, you know? And then to do that the other way around with a video game adaptation so close to release. Uh, so I don't
1: think I work. feel like the way I would have liked to have seen this go is uh, if uh, Guillermo del Del Toro were to tackle this as a film and essentially take Kojima's role from the game but as a film, and then Kojima's like a character in the game. But <laughs> I think with the creepiness of the world that they made, uh, Del Toro would have been perfect for sort of realizing this because he can absolutely do extremely weird and evocative uh, film pieces. But mm-hmm. I think the thing about Kojima, we always talk about him in film and movies, and I don't, I really don't see him making a big splash in, in the Hollywood sense, because it's specifically the fact that he brings that, that love of film to the gaming world that makes his stuff so unique, but in the world of film, would it really play? I don't know. It's, mm. it's a, it's a tricky thing, but uh, I, th- I feel like he's found a nice niche. Well, if you want to call it that for himself, right. Yeah. Where he's producing these ponderous cinematic experiences that are pushing boundaries in terms of just design and storytelling, I would say.
0: Yeah, for sure. Because it seems you, like you're interactive really, media. You're really into Death Stranding. Oh, right, John? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of latching on more to the ponderous bit of your comment there. Oh, I thought it was great. <laughs> what are we
2: pondering? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I like Death Stranding too. Uh, but I, like, like John was saying though, I think uh, what makes it so interesting is actually the, the, the parts that break up the cinematic aspects, which actually a lot of like, especially the game's intro cinematic stuff, is actually pretty disconnected from what you're doing for most of the game. You know what I mean? It's because it takes place in those areas you don't actually go spend much time in. It takes place in the uh, the inhabited exactly. areas. So I think I think it's um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how this is even translated to film at all.
0: Okay, I'm I'm still searching for something to discuss in this press release. No, I think think we've got it. (laughs) Yeah, I think we've got it. There was a a typo in the uh, the main headline, though. Uh, Hammerstone Studios and Kojima Productions to partner on film adaptation of Death Stranding. (laughs) Adaptation? Hey,
2: did I write this? (laughs) Did I write this?
0: (laughs) (laughs) What What they need is the equivalent of me that makes you go and do it again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with, with the proper spelling. <laughs> hey, spelling. <laughs> spelling. Okay, well, interesting developments for sure. And uh, I'm just going to be very curious on how they do adapt it and the extent to which the original cast are involved. They've, they've kind of got to be, I think. Yeah, but, they,
1: they would have to be.
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh, well, let's move on. Uh, So yesterday, a really interesting interview um, with the creators of the Steam Deck emerged on The Verge. Uh, Sean Hollister produced that excellent work. And essentially, we get a a kind of, I don't know, end of year report on Steam Deck, what they've achieved in 2022, which, to be fair, has been considerable, and where they're heading next. Uh, There's a lot of intricate and interesting detail there. So I do recommend you check out this this interview, because there's a lot going on there. Um, but they tackle head-on the concept of where they're going to go next with hardware. And essentially, um, we're going to be seeing some divergence here um, with what it, uh, the next generation of non-Steam handhelds are going to be doing, and then what Steam are doing. So the non-Steam handhelds, um, they're going to be moving on, in fact, they're doing it right now, to um, AMD's 6800U APU, which essentially has uh, a lot more CPU power, a lot more GPU compute, um, but also has a considerable power envelope, um, up to 40 watts. Valve are basically saying they're quite happy with the performance level of the existing Steam Deck. They want to improve battery life. They want to improve quality of life experiences with the Steam Deck, but they don't consider the um, performance Characteristics of the console as something they want to touch in the here and now. So, pros and cons there. Um, Alex, what are your thoughts on this? I think this is a great
2: idea because I have a I have this thing called a smartphone, and I also have another smartphone right next to it, right here. And I've one thing I've always lamented about smartphones is that every they just keep getting faster and faster. But wh- you know, why are we not focusing on battery life and quality of life at the same time? Like, I feel like there's a race for power at times that is just unreasonable for mobile devices and i think keeping the same power envelope and improving quality of life and battery life is way more important than the uh, than you know because this is a mobile device that's what makes it interesting and keeping it as tethered as it needs to be in the current iteration it's fine like I've used it on the go, Um, but it's still, you know, I think that's the thing that would bring it up to the next level if they could get something like switch levels of battery life out of this at some point in the future most games that are AAA, uh, even ones that we are seeing that are next gen only uh, at the moment are actually running on the Steam Deck currently uh, in some form or capacity. And I think that is, that shows that they're, it's fine enough at the power level it currently is, and it doesn't need to go better. And it just could just get better as a quality of life product. And I think that's the way to go. And I just hearing that from the interview makes me think they know what's good <laughs> for their customers uh, we don't really need more powerful hardware i don't think at this very
0: moment at this very moment but john um you're basically interested in steam deck but don't want one because of the quality of life experience in terms of uh, screen and whatnot right and
1: battery life yeah
0: and battery life so this is music to your
1: ears yeah i mean this is exactly what i was hoping for like the steam deck is a really cool product but uh having used it I feel that the screen is just not acceptable for me. Like my, I know some people don't care or that they're fine with it, but my standard for screen is like, I'm at a certain point where I just can't tolerate that type of screen anymore. I think it looks terrible. Uh, Just a bad LCD panel. And that's clearly where they cut costs before. So the fact that they're specifically addressing that gives me hope. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily expect an OLED screen in there. It would be awesome, but you know, just a, High, high quality LCD panel would be, that would suffice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then of course, battery life, because it seems right now playing any sort of decently high end game, the battery life is rather dire. Uh, yeah. So it's not one of those things you can rely on being, you know, available all the time because it just runs out of juice real fast. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, so y- you pop that in there, that's basically solving the two big issues with it. And suddenly it's like, it's a fantastic product. It's kind of like I mean, the Switch OLED situation, right? The Switch OLED is not more powerful, but I think it's a much more pleasant device to use. It just it feels much more premium, and a lot of that's just down to the screen. So, uh I would like to see that for Steam Deck.
0: Well, Alex, I'm going to play Devil's Advocate here. Um Fair I mean, from what I've seen so far from Unreal Engine 5, I mean, bearing in mind this is the older version of Unreal Engine 5 before it received the optimizations that allowed Fortnite to run on Series S at 60, mm-hmm. it just it didn't work on the Steam Deck. The CPU requirement was sky high. The Steam Deck just couldn't cope. Oh, um, Steam Deck. So, you know, looking forward, do you think maintaining the power level that it's got at the moment is is kind of viable if, for you know, maintaining uh, decent performance on, on current-gen like games.
2: Yeah, UE5 is definitely a uh, wrench there it's thrown into the machinery. It's a little bit hard to, because I haven't tried any UE5.1 software mode lower settings on it yet. That would be an interesting video, like, is Steam Deck ready for next-gen and, like, what? Because Fortnite, I don't know if you can run Fortnite. I don't think you can. Honestly, I think the anti-cheat
0: like... stuff would stop it working, and you'd, uh, you'd, need, yeah. Yeah, you'd need it to be running on uh, Epic Game Store as well. It, it adds further complications. You could certainly yeah, test it under Windows, yeah.
2: That, that could be maybe an interesting thing and say, you know, like with the caveat, this is Windows, and it, it could run better elsewhere, oddly enough. Um, that would be an interesting video in its own right, quite honestly. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, that is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I think it's honestly not the worst, like, straight just my opinion, is, it's honestly not the worst thing in the world if Steam Deck can't run UE5 games that well. Um, yeah, but because... it does. I mean,
0: virtually every game, every major AAA title is going to be <laughs> UE5 within a couple of yeah, years based on th- the current th- th- trajectory.
2: So, that that's the thing, is that I feel like, I, that that is true. Playing devil's advocate about this, like, it, that could mean that the future viability for AAA games on the deck is compromised. We'll have to obviously test this out. We don't know at the moment. Uh, but even if that were the case, I kind of, as a user of a Steam Deck, I wouldn't actually care because um, the things that I find interesting about the Steam Deck are the mobility of playing a massive catalog of PC games that yeah. just doesn't include the AAA. Exactly. Uh, so, like, for me, the things... I haven't played AAA games on it. Like, I'm seriously... I've, I've loaded it up with emulators. I've played, like, older games on it. A lot of older games that I, I'm just like, oh, it'd be fun to play this on the go. Um, I think that's, like, PC strength in a lot of ways other than just always the AAA ports. Um, so I wouldn't feel that bad about it, but it's something we should definitely probably want to try and investigate at some point in the future, because UE5 is a big question mark. I mean, I think by the
1: time UE5 games are, uh, ubiquitous, they'll be ready for a new generation of Steam Deck, right? And it's not like PC gamers aren't used to (laughs) the need to upgrade, right? And the original Steam Deck will continue to play a wide range of games on Steam, as you noted. The library is gigantic, so... You know the inability to play some of these top end games. I don't see it as a big deal either, and it's just
2: kind mm. of you know at the moment, yeah, yeah. at least. yeah, for sure. Like,
0: well, the good news is I've got um, I've still got Windows installed on my Steam Deck. Uh, I didn't switch back to Steam OS, so I might well give Fortnite a go and see so what's yeah. going on there.
1: Actually, Rich, though raising that is an interesting point because a lot of these other handhelds from other develop or other companies are pushing more powerful hardware than the Steam Deck, and also yeah. with a better form factor. But the experience seems miserable. Like Windows just <laughs> isn't really nice to use it's on these devices. It's not a handout right? gaming like that's the fun. thing that Valve got right with the Steam Deck is they actually Absolutely. managed to bring the console like experience to the PC, where it's got proper like sleep modes and it just behaves and the U- the way the UI works, it all feels like it's built around the device. It's a it's a very seamless experience versus like you know an INEO, whatever beautiful looking devices. Uh, you can run tons of stuff on there, but the actual user experience is not very good.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, it does require a certain degree of how can you call it? Um, you, you kind of have to be a hardcore PC gaming guy to to enjoy one of those devices. Whereas yeah. on the Steam Deck, generally things kind of work. The other thing you get, of course, is the uh, the shader caches. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, bearing in mind that compilation stutter is related to CPU performance and the Steam Deck doesn't have a huge amount of CPU performance, that's a good thing to have. Um, Very good. Yeah, so hmm, I'm really interested now in trying Fortnite on the Steam Deck. I might do that a bit later um, just Mm -hmm. to see what's what there. Uh, from my perspective, I think what's interesting here is that um, in addition to talking about Steam Deck, they're also just interested in um, the concept of PC as a handheld taking off. So they're not actually against these 6800U devices that are coming from other manufacturers. And in actual fact, they want to embrace them and bring them into the Steam OS ecosystem, which I think is awesome. That'd be good. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah, so, you know, there's a lot going on there. And... Um, uh, yeah, I think it's just the beginning of the journey for the Steam deck and I do think they've achieved what they set out to do, which is to which is to take you know PC gaming out of the out of the bedroom out of the office and you know basically take it anywhere. And I think mm. um, the capabilities of the silicon have you know have, have been vindicated. Just by some of the results we've seen, like Spider-Man, you know, just the concept that I could get where it wasn't under Windows, the concept that I could run Flight Simulator and um, Metro Exodus Enhanced Edition... Yeah, that's wild. ...on a handheld at 30 frames per second is is kind of mind-bending. It speaks to the power of the RDNA 2 silicon in there, but also the scalability of PC games and how much performance you can save by running at lower resolutions. Yeah, it's, it's been kind of eye-opening from from that Um, perspective. And it's it outstripped my expectations tremendously. So I think, you know, pat on the back to Valve for doing something really quite interesting here. The sales have been phenomenal as well, well north of a million million units now, which, you know, for a device you can't buy from Amazon or from a shop, I think is is quite remarkable. And audience reaction to it has been really good. Uh, The other thing I like about it is that they have... um, They've embraced the kind of hardcore options that we would want. You know, the 40 hertz display update, for example. was a masterstroke, you know. That that was just really, really impressive. Lots of really interesting things going on there. They are also talking in that interview about the concept of Steam OS um, essentially transitioning into desktop devices. And we're actually seeing Proton being used in some really interesting ways. Like, you know, this week, for example, uh, Tesla announced that... um, Steam was able to run on a Model S and a Model X. <laughs> and that's all down again to Linux and uh, the Proton compatibility there, layer there being sort of uh, redirected to another use case scenario. I just think it's really interesting what they're doing, that they're liberating PC gaming from Windows. And I think that's really quite a remarkable achievement, the fact that it actually works as well as it does. But yeah, much more to come from Steam Deck. And um obviously, if there is any refreshed hardware, we'll be all over it. But Let's move on to the next news topic. Wow. Where do we begin with this one? Um, we posted our review of the Radeon RX 7900 XTX and XT. And um, from my perspective, it kind of did what it was supposed to do in that it took on the RTX 4080 and uh, had some wins, had some losses, but it's cheaper. Didn't doesn't really move the needle, I don't think, in terms of... Um, you know, market share in the PC space. I think NVIDIA are going to remain dominant here. Um, But there is the concept of disappointment, of overhyping. And I do think there is a certain degree to which AMD are responsible here with their up to 1.7 times 6950 XT performance. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. And we actually ended up with around an extra 35% over that. It was up to about 50% on um, versus 6900 XT. So it's actually a creditable gen on gen upgrade, but nothing spectacular as the initial sort of um, hype was suggesting. Um, Alex, thoughts on this?
2: Uh, I'm just thinking that we need to like step back from the leap, the leaks and the hype and everything. And this is very also, so this happens across the industry for every single product out there. You know, everyone's, it's always pretty famous how everyone is like, oh my God, I can't believe the next dolphin is going to be the best thing from Nintendo. Oh my God, this this switch (laughs) is going to be so powerful from Nintendo. It happens on Nintendo side, but on yep. AMD on PC, it's, like, super... It's always every cycle. This is literally every AMD cycle I can, <laughs> I can think of ever since... Every time. Uh, R600, <clears throat> maybe, is, like, the first time I really remember the AMD cycle of hype and then this happening, yeah. Zen occurring.
0: Four, Zen 4 was another one, which was massively overhyped. Yeah, Zen 4 over-hyped.
2: was massively overhyped, where it's, like, you're going to be getting 2X last gen, um, blowing Intel out of the water, blowing <laughs> NVIDIA out of the water, whatever... <laughs> And I think it's a little bit absurd at this point, and um, we should just maybe just, like, categorically ignore it. <laughs> and anyone that's falling for it should just be thought of as, like, kind of a dupe, I don't know, dupe person there. Uh, it's it's a little bit dumb at this point. But in regards to the, the official uh, line... That was one thing where it was interesting. After the official stuff came out due to that slides from that presentation and the presentation itself, I was already like, actually RDNA 3 in the form that it's currently coming out in in these chips seems a bit disappointing. And if you go back to that DF Direct Weekly, I'm saying, oh, this feels like a transition architecture based upon their uh, power performance and uh, noted architectural changes. And lo and behold, the reviews come out and it kind of feels like a transition architecture with like some weedy bugs in it as well, too, Mm. uh, in regards to that power. So, uh, I feel a little bit vindicated, but I also think people really do need to calm down on any sort of hype for future products on any side, but especially regarding AMD products, because this kind of happens all the time with their stuff not saying they make bad stuff but like, they don't make bad stuff but like please like be a little bit more reasonable I, I feel like you
1: know considering that rdna 3 first showed up in 2020 in the ps5 that it's <laughs> kind
2: of what you'd expect right nice. Yeah, you're, you're right i should have really set my expectations <laughs> regarding that hatch right.
0: oh dear those
2: cash <laughs> scrubbers, <both cast laughs> scrubbers jeez oh
0: <laughs> um uh... Where do we begin with this? I think um, if you actually look at what they're doing at the actual engineering level, the whole chiplet thing, the concept that it works at all, I think is kind of borderline miraculous for a GPU architecture. So I think AMD deserve kudos there. I do think the evidence is mounting up that there are certain bugs in the uh, driver and possibly in the hardware itself. Um, In terms of the hype level, it all comes down to that one point five to one point seven times slide um mm. and that basically oversold the product right mm. that was and you know that slide caused a huge amount of stuff like um you know reputable p c outlets were doing quote unquote projected benchmarks. Which is a really, you know, I'm, I couldn't believe that some of these guys who are really good at their jobs were doing that because, you know, you 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 can't you can't do that. It, it, you mm-hmm. know, a product performs as it performs, not as you not as you project it performs based on, you know, an up to performance figure. The other thing, of course, is the whole up to thing, which, um, you know, my AMD contact told me, well, you know, it's up to that depending on the power of your CPU. Clearly, it isn't. It's. it's yeah. I think that there is a genuine case now that they basically picked the highest performance differentials between two runs on the two separate architectures and said, well, this is the, the biggest increase. Well, Rich, that's that's fun number. Maybe
1: it's more literal than you think. And when they say up to, they literally mean, you know, those instances where you look up at the sky in a game <laughs> and the performance on AMD just skyrockets. You know what I'm saying here? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Up to, to uh, Well, <laughs> you know, when you look at the dying light benchmark and um yeah, it doesn't look great for AMD, but then the character looks up at the sky and suddenly the AMD result, the differential, closes up quite dramatically yep. and it actually skews the average, which is quite an interesting sort of phenomenon. I think that the thing that I take away from it is that, you know, I was actually pleasantly surprised at the the leap in raid-facing performance, which does actually seem yeah. to be consistent consistently good, whereas the gains in rasterization can range from uh, extremely impressive to actually rather poor.
1: I actually, Um, I think that's one of the best things, Rich, is like, finally AMD has a card where the users can enjoy ray tracing. It's not can actually turn right. it on. the fastest um, out there, of course, but it's good enough now where I think most games with ray tracing features can be enjoyed on these new cards, which is awesome. Yeah, you know,
0: it's 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 thirty eighty to thirty ninety. Yeah, exactly. Class That's before. good. Those are That's great ray good. tracing GPUs. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, Um, we've got some questions from supporters here, um, and I'm going to go through them. (laughs) Um, It is a lot about prices, as you'd imagine, because we are still talking about, you know, effectively $1,000 cards. Uh, I think the the biggest scandal from my perspective is that the uh, 7900 XT is massively overpriced for what it is. Uh, the, the XTX isn't isn't bad uh, but this question from Dan Roach based on reviews of the 7900xt and the 4080 16gb the strategy from both amd and nvidia appears to be increase prices across the board inflating profit margins from the middle tiers uh, how long do you think it will be before both team and team red and team green realize the inflated prices during that period were the result of a perfect storm and not indicative of normal consumer demand for their products. So Alex, what I think Dan's saying here is that they've overpriced these cards based on mm. on the sort of crypto boom price points that were established. Yeah. Do, do you think that holds water? It, ha- it holds a little bit, but also you've talked about countless times, Rich, that
2: the you know the price of producing these wafers and the fact that Nvidia yeah. and, uh, Jensen commented on it himself before. So like the cost of the production is going up. But one thing your reviews uh, talked about regards to the 4080, Rich, uh, was that the price performance uh, kind of goes down as you go down the stack, which is the the opposite of what we want and the opposite of historical.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, exactly what the 7900 XT does as well.
2: Yeah. And which is awful. That's the awful part about all this. And I think the thing that actually may change it is a lack of demand. Uh, I actually, I think that is probably it. just people not buying things, uh, that will force NVIDIAs, you know, these are publicly traded companies, uh, and things like that. They have to answer, uh, not to just the CEO, but they have like there's other concerns here. <laughs> they have to you know keep generating profit, and it's all about growth oh, and all I these know. things. They can't be contracting. So gross, gross, gross. they have to figure out new ways to uh, excite market demand at that point, and that may mean cutting prices, and it may mean introduce new products. Uh, so you, uh, there could actually arguably be a super line that comes out in the future, or something like that, or a T.I. line in the future for this generation, or the you know 50 series for AMD as well, too that could help rectify a lot of these issues we have uh, regarding price performance. Maybe, but that's also assuming that the consumer pressures are high enough. Well, the the 4080
0: 12 gig, which is now a 4070 Ti, it's essentially been confirmed at this point. You know, the question is, is that still going to be a $900 card or are they going to take a haircut on that? If it's 800, I can actually see it being quite reasonable um, based on the benchmarks we saw, factoring in cost per transistor, factoring in The fact that inflation is, you know, it's a very real thing. You can't really ignore it. And maybe it will hit the mark. I'm really interested in testing that card. Um, This question from SJ33 in brackets, Jake. Hi,
2: Jake.
0: (laughs) You always do that, Alex. I like
2: Jake. Jake's a good guy. Hi,
0: Uh, (laughs) Jake. Hi, all. Both um, Lovelace and RDNA3 are finally here, yet their high price means the previous generation cars remain as relevant as ever. Meanwhile, we're seeing recent PC game requirements begin to creep up, as you'd expect. This is despite the fact that most people are still buying two-plus-year-old GPUs (laughs) and won't be upgrading anytime soon. How sustainable is this? Is there a danger of PC game requirements outpacing the hardware that the average PC gamer actually has, especially with UE5 adoption taking off? Interesting question, right, Alex?
2: Yeah, uh, so... I think this is slightly in reference to Portal, The Witcher, and Callisto should not be used because we obviously know that it's a troubled product. Um, <laughs> yeah. And The Witcher is also a troubled product yeah, at this point, based matter. upon my my experience with the game. People reacted very negatively to my, to my saying, don't turn everything to max on The Witcher oh, on Twitter. Yeah. That, that, that's, that says a lot. Yep. Um, but um, I, don't, I don't think there's a danger of this at all. Um, because at the end of the day, all nearly everything is also releasing on console. Uh, the thing that we need to start demanding, actually, from developers is that they allow you to uh, scale the game to run on console-like settings. Yeah. Uh, a lot of games do not actually allow you to degrade the graphics Especially as much for, as they like, do, do on console. Yeah, for Steam Deck, it's great for that. But it's also just good for the average PC mm-hmm. user who just wants a good experience that looks fine enough, which is what consoles do. And we're already seeing that with things like The Witcher uh, three, for example, I, I, I'll mention it par- in parallel on my video, but you cannot, but CD Projekt Red has told us, you cannot degrade the graphics with ray tracing on it as much as they're degraded on console. They've literally told us that. They run special modes there. That's good from the perspective of we're getting- More features. Higher quality on PC, which we want, and more features, but it's bad for the mid-range on PC because they don't allow you to scale it down as much. There should always be more variable settings. It shouldn't just be ray tracing on or off. Right. It really shouldn't. It should be a. There should be like a low, and a high, and maybe a medium, and or a console, you know, quality right. setting essentially. And that's that's the issue. I think it's more that and people we're not getting those options in games all the time, as well as honestly, it is a lot of user expectations. Just because your GPU from two years ago could run a game at ultra settings does not mean it can run at ultra settings in a completely different game uh, two years later. So expectations it's it's a lot of things it's not just uh the market being outpaced by what gpus people actually have
1: whatever you're i I kind of get it but there's a there's a lot of anger with this i find like well (laughs) i i got a 3080 (laughs) i I, yeah why can't i do ultra settings and they're just really really mad about it and i get that to some degree but it's like you know what i i do think there's a little bit the PC market in the last like 15 years is so different f- from what it was the prior 20, 30 years. and those of us that live through those early days of PC gaming, it's such a different thing where like games were constantly pushing uh, new boundaries and you wouldn't expect your one year old PC to be able to max out the latest software. And it was more like you look at, like, man, I can't wait till I can run that someday. Not saying we want to go back there, but it's just a completely different thing where, you know, a lot of people today, like, expect, like, their two-year-old card should always be
0: able to push things out. And it's like, that's why well, you're saying. I guess that attitude also um, negates the concept of uh, a game scaling itself to the future of PC hardware, which I think is not yeah. a great not thing. Not good at all. It's not at all what you want. Oof, I, I think it's, that. you know... This is kind of like why we champion optimized settings, right? This is what you need to, to get a great experience in the here and now. But once the horsepower is available to have, you know, uh, slightly improved shadows, by all means, turn it on. That, so, Rich, mm-hmm, right. when
1: we started today, uh, I was just talking about uh, Battlefield 3 again. I don't know yeah. what made me think mm-hmm. of it, but I just loaded it up on my PC just to see it. And, you know, that was pushing boundaries at the time. People had to turn down settings, but it's it was very future-looking. And you look at it now, and it's still a very attractive game, and it just runs like greased lightning on a on yeah. a modern PC. And it's oh, it's cool. And as a,
2: think about it back then that game was controversial because we were already in this era of anger at pc yeah, games that were mad about performance it, people are so angry you know why people are angry about it it required de- DirectX x 11 oh yeah <laughs> that's right oh do you guys remember that yeah. oh, oh. Wah, 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 wah. you know like oh, man, at this Alex, point in time you're like, have i just heat can't at you take <laughs> that. Um, I, I just can't i just can't take it like we used to get a new DirectX level like every one to 1. 1.5 years imagine that <laughs> your gpu couldn't play a game like imagine that and we're not anywhere near that the, the amount of outrage is a little bit absurd i mean but-
1: to be fair <laughs> though i will say the cost of things has increased a ton like graphics cars did not used to cost over a thousand bucks on average right
2: yeah that, that, that's, that's true. the thing is I, there's I, no low range so now. i kind
1: of feel bad in that sense cause it's like man they're asking so much for these for this hardware it's just the, the yeah. price you can't just easily afford this stuff right
2: yeah, I'd say like the thing is we really need like so a lot of people on Steam are rocking like GTX 1650s. Is that
0: the, is that what it's called? 1650 right? is now the number one card on the Steam 1650, hardware. 1650
2: baby. Which is... Yeah, which at the time I would have never said to buy it. It's honestly. terrifying.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. So that's that's the weird thing because I remember when Turing came out I was like Turing but without all the Turing and I was like, "Oh my goodness, I don't know what this GPU who this is for."
0: Um, Everybody, it's, it's for mass market penetration it's is what it's for, most people. and I think also it, yeah. there's a lot of laptops that are being counted in that. If you look at the Steam Hardware Survey, the 3060 for laptop is actually separated really out from the from yeah, it's, it's in the top ten, but it, more to the separated point, it's out. separated out from the 3060 for desktop now. Whereas the 1650, I suspect it's basically you know laptop and desktop mm-hmm. lumped together. I- Kind Of,
2: like, the GTX 1060. I kind of right? gather, mm-hmm. though, that
1: by having this Halo product this time being the 4090, it does, it, it does, it has an effect on the consumers where even when they're picking a lower end product, somehow it feels like it's like if they had a, uh, do you remember that? I think it was an Aston Martin that was based on like, uh, I can't remember what it was. It was like a small little car, like a smart car kind of thing, but it was like branded <laughs> yep. as Aston Martin. Oh. And you're yeah, like, you know it. what I mean? So it's like, it, it feels like you're kind of buying into what's perceived as the the high-end brand. quality, And it's oh, easier boy. for you to pull the trigger on something like that. And maybe that helps with the popularity. I, I don't know.
0: I, think, That's that, interesting I think that Aston Martin was a sales disaster though. <laughs> yeah, I know the one well. you're talking about. It was basically <laughs> another car. Yeah, it was uh, another car rebadged. Rebadged <laughs> and, and jazzed up a bit. Uh, actually, this brings us all on to a question from a leftist hominid Linus of Linus Tech Tips recently decided to defect. It's <laughs> a team red in his personal rig stating, paraphrased, that the loss in RT performance versus NVIDIA was significant but not a deal breaker. I was wondering if you all had any thoughts on this mm-hmm. matter, particularly Alex. I do think it a bit odd that if you're as wealthy as Linus, you're not going to buy a 4090. That, right, that, that was my That's thought.
2: That's what I was going to say. Like With all like,
1: the what? hardware he has <laughs> access to. And yeah. just the amount of money that he's bringing in, and just like, why, why would you not just go for the best card? It doesn't make any
0: sense. I mean,
2: it makes a really good video to say the least, and a <laughs> video baffling. title. But uh, that's about it. Yeah.
0: Well, what are your thoughts on this, Alex? Um, I think um, I think uh, there's something to be said for features. I mean, what's happening now is that NVIDIA are basically first to the market with all the key features, right? We've, we had the yeah. ma- machine learning based upscaling and um, AMD followed suit. Frame generation, first generation technology, but it's improving all the time. Yeah,
1: um, yeah They're absolutely.
0: first to the market with that. AMD have uh, announced FSR 3, which is essentially looking to catch up on that. The issue is when you're first to market with a feature and it's a feature that everyone wants and copies, then basically, inevitably, the guy who's there first ends up with more supported titles for that feature. So, you know, Raid Facing, for example, you know, it runs better on NVIDIA. And I think a key part of that is because the games are developed on NVIDIA hardware. Yeah. Um, DLSS, mm. machine learning-based upscaling. Um, we've got a good alternative um, from AMD, but it's supported in less titles. Like I said in the video, I, I can't go back to... Um, you know, FSR 2 is a thing now. I can't go back to Control and use FSR 2 in it. Well, there, I can't do that with Note I think people found ways in some games to sort of inject that yeah, into...
2: The non-native support I, stuff. I don't know how, how it works, not, though. It, it's not super successful right. always. There's more. There's more ghosting as a result uh, of just the the nature of how it right. works. And you, you know, be, you know, it is. It, it's really cool that it works at all. And if you're okay with that, but it's not the equivalent of a native information sure, sure. un- unfortunately. uh That's that would be really cool, but that requires you know, a lot of stuff. I, I, I mean, in the end, here I feel like it is. I, I don't want to speak to it, but it feels like just a really good video topic and a video a video good. You know, like. A, really good, like, way to generate, like, talking about the subject in general. Uh, But I don't feel like there's, like, the advantages you get uh, from a top-end AMD rig are uh, essentially lower CPU overhead in a DirectX 12 title. Yeah.
0: Which it has an impact I mean, it, at lower it, resolutions so there've been some notable wins particularly yeah. with uh, extremely overclocked and undervolted 7900xtx's at 1080p and 1440p um, so
2: if you so if you're like someone who literally just plays fortnite at low settings at 300 <laughs> to 400 fps with no vsync on i think that amd 7900xtx plus an Intel chip and not a, a Ryzen one right. uh, because, you know, because we all know that, you know, as you, go, as you go up the higher stack in the Ryzen, like you have to like maybe turn off one of your CCXs uh, for some game performance concerns at times or using Ryzen Master or stuff like that, as well as the fact that, you know, the 13900K uh, or KS or whatever it's going to be is going to be the fastest one. So that would be like the perfect I only play multiplayer games uh, PC at these settings. Presumably. Alex, the, I, the thing is, so
1: this is interesting. I, I watched a lot of videos on, on this card and it really made me think that when you're looking at all the PC reviewers, you almost kind of have to align, uh, with the one that fits your needs. Cause all the PC reviews offer objective data, right? But then when it comes to the, the opinion piece, uh, p- there's a lot of people that have a different interest in terms of what they want to play. And I think playing multiplayer-only stuff at ultra high frame rates is perfectly valid, and there's going to be a subset of people that want to do that, and you know, that's going to vary from outlet to outlet. Like I think when we talk about this stuff, we're we're looking at a different sort of game, right? Like you're not playing those games, Alex. You're you're no, you're, in you're in it for something else, and I think that I I actually like seeing all this this variety in the reviews as a result of that. And you kind of get an idea of like what people value most, and but then again, and still with this Linus thing, I, it doesn't really seem like there's any. the the forty ninety is just better all around. Like, and it's not it's not like the the XTX is actually trying to compete with it either, right? It's not it's not designed to match the forty ninety. It's going for the forty eighty.
2: It's also a little bit of like extreme diminishing returns in those rasterization titles because we've talked about it before where rasterization performance at this level is already kind of absurd and also often more uh, limited by CPU than GPU. Yeah, so like that's the thing and it's like is 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 30 to 40 more frames per second at 200 fps a much more, you know, valuable investment at like 1080p for example than being able to play, like, the next-gen game as well with ray tracing on and stuff like that. I don't know. That's something each viewer has to decide for themselves. Uh, but I would say, like, I think if you're going to the ultra-high end, it kind of makes sense to go in one direction versus the other.
1: And I think there's yeah. a fair amount of people that want to do that. We're seeing it. They're excited about that Witcher 3 update. And You know, stuff yeah, like Cyberpunk. Are, right? People want to push those graphics up. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, that's a, maybe a different yeah. crowd than the multiplayer-only group.
0: Well, there's sure. uh, there's essentially now products for everyone. Yeah, right? I mean, if you're if if you want pure rasterization performance at a certain price point, that's what you've got. And I think you know that's the point I was trying to make in the review, which is that you know, depending on your priorities, there are perfectly valid use case scenarios for an XTX purchase rather than a forty eighty. However, on balance, you know, I think the um, The reaction, the negative reaction to RDNA3 in general suggests that maybe this concept of uh, that particular balance isn't as widespread as we may have thought. But um, I guess we're going to wait and see what happens. Um, I'm still sort of, I still think we need sort of uh, some sort of closure on why you know, Forza Horizon 5 and Gears, for example, they the, the performance is basically scaling with power versus last gen. There's there's no architectural gains. Well it's like you know yeah, a weird. tiny architectural game. Um so it is kind of weird to see those those results. Uh, is it a hardware bug? Is it a driver bug? Will things dramatically improve or not? Um that's that is the question. But Yeah, I mean, certainly caused plenty of of drama this week. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) The thing is, everybody always wants the underdog to do well. I think that's true. True. That's kind of what's driving the interest in AMD here. And with RDNA too, uh, I know, um, John, you got some heat for saying that AMD weren't competing at the top end when the 6900 XT could, could kind of get within... Striking distance, or even beat the thirty ninety and thirty ninety Ti, but very definitely is the case now that top end is is occupied by one player only, yeah, uh, yeah. with Nvidia. Um, so you know there's there's compromises being made there. Um, I'm going to be interested to see how the stack kind of uh, works moving down because the as I said earlier the seventy nine hundred XT is overpriced, and as I said in the review, I'm now concerned that everything going down the stack is well, going to be overpriced. overpriced as well. Yep. So the first indication of whether that is true or not from green that the green team is going to be this 4070 TI and the extent to which they we should would see. be very smart to keep that price down as low as they can. Yeah, absolutely we'll see what happens though. Okay, next news topic. PC returnal. We've been talking about it for months. Uh, I think um, uh, the developer, Housemark actually leaked it themselves in a presentation. It is <laughs> official, it is coming, and um, there's been a recommendation that the title should uh, be running on PCs with 32 gigs of system memory, which is significant, yeah. is it not, Alex?
2: Yeah, that is significant. Uh, it It may not be arbitrary. I mean, I do really think, okay, so it can be completely arbitrary because minimum recommended specs, um, haven't meant too much for a long time. Yeah. Uh, because they're not specific. They don't say what they're doing, but at the same time, I trust housemark a little bit in regards to certain aspects of this. For example, uh, they mention. uh, I just want to bring up the steam page so that I actually have this in front of me. I believe it was a 5,700 XT for what? And, uh, and a 2070s uh, for oh, the GPU recommendation. It's,
0: six, it's sixty-seven
2: hundred. 67 XT. That's what it was. So
0: that's a meaty card. That's a super meaty card. As is. is the 2070 super. So that is kind of like uh, performance it's, that's
2: in line n-
0: with the consoles
2: yeah that's the thing it's like looking for it's on the a m d side it's quite a bit higher actually mm-hmm. uh and the twenty seventy super is around where I would put a rasterization level p s five in a title that is more balanced uh so not your your weird you know like modern warfare two or something like that um but you know i that's where I'd put it. The rest of it though uh you know thirty two gigs I'm trying to think of honestly where the game is doing a lot of weird stuff with memory. Uh, like I don't have a profile in front of me, but like just thinking back to the game, you can go into like those matter transporters uh, that move you around the level, but it like scrolls you through the level in like a stream. Yeah. So it's not like instantaneously it's not warp, going there. It
1: shows you moving exactly.
2: It shows you moving, and I I don't <clears throat> remember what happens when you go to between zones. Do you recall, John? Does it like mm. bring you immediately ratcheting clank style through to another zone I or something can't. like that? remember, actually. I, f- I don't recall if it does exactly. I feel, like, um, no. I feel like
1: there's a little bit of a loading point there, like short, but I don't think it's like you yeah. directly transition. I don't think you just transition from one to the other instantly or anything. But I, I can't yeah. remember. I feel like maybe falling down a giant hole and the one, and then landing at the bottom. It's, it's been a year since I played through it.
2: Yeah, exactly. So i, I I'm just, 32 gigs is a lot of PCs have 16 now. 32 is a bit excessive uh, for a game. It's not the first time we've seen this pop up and recommended the the very high and ultra high settings or whatever they were for Spider-Man Remastered also recommended um, you know, sure. 32, but I didn't really ever see it I, <laughs> skyrocketing I'm in more my usage. I'm curious just to see how this runs there, in so. general
1: cuz Housemark is typically known for doing some pretty crazy optimization. And there is at least a decent chance that this could be one of the few Unreal titles with minimal to no shader cum stutter.
2: Maybe. Like yeah, I feel like these I guys like would hoping. be really acutely
1: aware of that problem and want to
2: avoid I, it. I, I I'm also like I'm worried just as much as everyone else about UE4 games uh, whenever they come out. But I do get a feeling like this is a developer that knows a lot about technology, um, and so I think they would try and get rid of that completely. Um, and I'm hoping they haven't, and we've also seen the cluster protocol that it, like if a developer is technically minded, they can do a lot about this really, really quickly. Uh, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. 32 gigs. All I'm going to say about this at the moment is just don't worry about recommended and minimum specs at all just never fret about them because they don't mean anything unless they bring out like a really big bar chart that says, bar like they did with Porto <laughs> RTX and they're like, oh yeah, this runs at 1080p60 on this rig at these settings and they say it, then that's really good. Man, but this, this doesn't tell us 1632
1: that. though, it actually gives me nostalgia because I read it almost as 16 megs versus uh, 32 megabytes <laughs> back. You'd often yeah. see that this game requires this yeah, and it's like... better with 32 megs of RAM. Like all oh, 32 yeah. megs of EDO RAM pumping that hot... Quake action,
2: Quake, Quake three, even. It's the best. Whew. There, there is a, there's a very funny thing at the end of the Steam thing. I'm reading it right now. Uncover the truth as you jump rapidly through portals between worlds. So maybe it's in the game and I just can't recall it that well. And then it says, comma, dependent on your PC setup. Oh, that's in literally in the thing there. So, we'll see. Maybe they chose Are, to do a different way to do things on PC. So that's why it requires 32 for the the. I wonder experience.
1: if they. We shall see. Oh, it it says SSD recommended but not required. So I'm very curious to see. Oh, maybe
2: that's how why. How this maybe behaves on a mechanical
1: drive. <laughs> it seems like that's a. If it was designed with SSD from the beginning, that could be tricky.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah. So that is the interesting thing, actually. So. If they if they were actually uh, benching your SSD or your HDD before the game starts, they could choose technically different paths about how they do loading. Exactly. Uh, like in terms of like how much is reserved, how much is actually uh, you know like loaded when you get into the game and all these things. So maybe that's what it's about. But we'll have to see. We'll
0: yeah, just have to see. I guess um, we're going to return to your manifesto for PC gaming in 2023, Alex. But these we should system, do it. These system requirements don't tell me anything really, no. uh, other than yeah. you can run the game at these, at these, on these components um, or equivalents. It doesn't tell me mm-hmm. anything about the resolution and, and frame rate I'm going to be getting. So therefore, no. you know, it's kind of pointless. Um, but there we are. (laughs) We need that Windows (laughs)
1: Vista game performance index thing back.
0: yeah, bring
2: it back.
0: Um, gonna move on to a new topic now. Uh, just quickly, um, we're going to be talking about uh, High on Life, which released in a pretty dreadful state on Xbox consoles. We were all set to produce a video on it, and then they patched it literally on the day that John finished the video. The video is available now on, uh, for Patreon supporters to ch- to check out. There was no point putting it live for the general audience uh, because it would essentially be, um, you know, basically a critique of a game code that experience that no longer exists. Um, John, let's talk about this because there was some weird stuff happening in that game, right?
1: Yeah. So this kind of stuff has happened. It's plagued us a lot throughout 2022. Games releasing in the pre-release state or even at release with major issues and then getting patched and it creates issues for creating videos. But this might actually be the worst one, the worst one I've seen yet in that it essentially, the the difference was so vast that all the old B-roll I captured was was useless. It didn't represent what the game looks like anymore. And I'm very happy that they fixed it, by the way, because uh, I do actually like the game. It's, it's pretty fun, I gotta say. But man, so the The gist of it is that when it first launched on consoles, it had this problem where I don't know if it's like a delta time issue or or something else where it's like one frame would move, say, like five pixels. The next frame would move one pixel and it would repeat at that cadence, but not all the time. Sometimes it would actually look okay. Sometimes it would only affect uh, camera movement and not strafing. And most of the time it affected everything. And it also affected animations and animations would actually do something like you'd see a move, uh, five pixels, one frame, but then like negative one pixel, the next frame, the next frame. So it would snap back. So it was almost like this, like judder kind of like stair-steppy movement that was really unpleasant. And the whole game was just slammed with this. And the thing is though, is like, you see all the comments because people started playing at the same time I did. And they're like, this runs like bad. This is bad. The performance is bad. What's going on? Obviously, the first thing I did was pipe it into our frame rate analysis tool. And I was surprised to see on Series X, oh, it's actually a locked huh. 60. <laughs> yeah. And it's because of this weird way that they're updating the, uh, all the movement where it it effectively looks like a an even jerkier version of 30 FPS. Um, but mm-hmm. it's actually updating the game every frame. So they like did the legwork to get this running at 60, but then something went wrong. obviously it couldn't have been too severe because they fixed it very quickly um but as a result you know all my old footage was recorded with this issue so it just looked bad it's choppy it was it was really unpleasant um and i'm i'm not entirely sure how games ship in this state i know there's so many problems that come up right before throughout development it's tough to ship anything at all but this is something that is so obvious like you just play it for for just 30 seconds and you're immediately wondering what the heck is going on and it was unacceptable performance uh and so all of that is covered in that video so at least it's sort of like a showcase of what happened with it and then i added this to note that okay this has been fixed but that's not to say everything's been fixed uh the last gen version's did not actually receive much of an improvement and they made a weird decision where it's essentially the frame rates allowed to remain uncapped, but it's usually barely above 35 FPS and it has an adaptive V sync. So if you're playing on like the one X, it's just nonstop screen tearing, uh, tons of judder. It just feels it's so bad. And the loading time so long after death, like 40 plus seconds often, uh, it's, I, I question why they released that version at all. Like, it's not pleasant to play. It's bad. It's a bad version of the game, which is, to me, unacceptable anyway, because it's not pushing any visual boundaries, and uh, I don't understand what's going on there with the loading either, but clearly it was not optimized for, those, for the older Xbox One platforms. Uh, but thankfully now, if you play it on Series S or Series X, it's really, really smooth, it looks good. It it's a lot of fun. I mentioned in the video that it reminds me of this weird, unholy mix of Ratchet and Clank in first person with Bioshock Infinite. Uh, and <laughs> a slice of Halo in there as well. Because the, Bioshock, the way- Infinite. Bioshock Infinite, because it has this rail system everywhere. So you're like jumping up oh. and like uh doing first person like rail sliding where you like grab onto something, you jump onto another rail, you jump off, and there's these big arenas. Again, that's also a bit Halo like and like Bioshock, you're using very strange weaponry, but then some of the weaponry, mm-hmm. like like the third gun you get reminds me a lot of the Needler in Halo. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's just, it's a weird eclectic mix. It also has space Applebee's in it, which is pretty good. Uh, I enjoyed that. Yeah, it's uh, I guess there's also the PC version, which didn't have this problem to begin with, but it did have Alex's favorite problem, yeah. which was Shader, Shader Compstar,
2: and it, that's a you know, so that's, that's hey, unfortunate. But John, I got a number of comments on Twitter saying my PC does not have Shader Comp stutter and uh, high on life, so that means you're wrong. That's that's like <laughs> uh, uh, and there's no uh, issue. What, that meme
1: with the <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> what surprised me also about this game is the critical reception. the The range is so vast, and I think it comes down to whether you can enjoy that type of humor or not. I did. I think it's I think it's pretty darn funny. I I like what they did with it. There's there's even like there's like a red letter media thing in there. The, the, the all the commentary in there is great. Uh, it's pretty darn funny. I mean, yes, there's a lot of dialogue during the game, and you can actually reduce that, but it's uh there, there's some good stuff in there. It's definitely worth checking out uh, to see if that type of humor works for you. I love the introduction with uh what is it? It's Buck Thunder Two or you're playing like a retro kind of inspired first person shooter with some good dialogue in there as well. I mean, I don't know. I think it's worth checking out. It's one of the only Xbox console exclusive games this entire year. So, also if you have an Xbox, it's definitely worth checking out there. Um but I was I was genuinely shocked when I saw the Eurogamer review gave it an avoid, <laughs> which you don't you don't see avoids very o- often. But the whole this last month has like shaken my uh my tastes or like my I know I have slightly quirkier tastes, but the last two games I like High On Life and I like Callisto Protocol a lot and most critics, many critics seem to despise them. I'm like, what's going on here? It's like am I so out of touch? No, it's the reviewers who are wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I don't get it, man. I've I, I like bad games. Uh, there we go. <laughs> you got me on record. <laughs> so that's high on life. It's a wild situation. I'm glad we were able to turn it into something because when Rich sent me that message to say they patched it and it looks fixed, my stomach, like I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, I was like 90% done with the video. I was getting ready to export in the morning and put it up that day. And then it's just like, nope, it's all invalidated.
0: Well, there's a lot of stuff coming in hot right and um, in terms of that issue with high on life, my question to the developers would be like, where are your eyes? You know, come on. You know, you have achieved a lot sixty frames per second, but it, it clearly isn't presenting as as And this 60 this just happened second. again. River City Girls
1: 2. A cool pixel art beat em up. I like the original. This thing shows up, it basically has the same problem. It's this is a 2D side scrolling pixel art game and you're running it it looks visually like 60 fps certain like particle effects were full 60 and things like the background and sprites were all updating at different rates and it just looks horrendous and I'm just like how how do you how do you not see this as an issue and then they're like, oh, yeah, we're already testing out a fix. And it's like, but why did it launch its way in the first place? This isn't some, like, small bug. This is, like, fundamentally affects the entire presentation of the game. And I don't... I, it's unacceptable. Like, I don't think that this is an acceptable way to release anything. And it's something we've not really seen that much before. Where Like, such, such obvious issues. Like... Yes, performance problems have always been a thing on some games, but that's usually an actual performance problem. Now we're actually seeing performance problems caused by just settings being misconfigured or some strange thing happening.
0: Well, there was talk of Callisto protocol shipping with a wrong file in there. Yeah, exactly. uh, Causing causing the problem on PC. So yeah, kind of bizarre. Okay, so we're going to close out the show with supporter Q&A. This is the uh, part of the show where every week we put up a call for questions on our Patreon, and uh, users come up with questions. We choose the best, or the ones that we're most likely to be able to produce good answers to. Um, we've had to re-record this one, and Alex isn't available. Uh, he's too busy doing the Witcher Three content for PC, so there is a good reason for that. But um, John's here, and let's let's crack on with the questions. Uh, so the first question comes from Trans Tech Girl, and the the question is this: I'll keep this short and sweet, which is always good. Uh, What game or games would you most like to see get the RTX Remix treatment? Interesting question, right, John?
1: Yeah, and I'm going to say what I said last time, basically, in that I'm going with the original Unreal and other Unreal Engine-based games from that era. That first generation of Unreal, I think, is a really interesting time. Those are still beautiful games, and, uh, man i want to see unreal get the rtx remix trees but also stuff like you know klingon honor guard uh the original deus x i mean these have already a very rich modding community so i can imagine that they're very interested in experimenting with this feature to see what's possible um you know i i, I would assume it would work pretty well given the age of it but uh yeah. Stuff like that would be great. I still want to see the original uh, Max Payne. Somebody was already experimenting with that. I think that'll be a neat one. I wonder if Max Payne 2 is
0: possible. I can't remember what that be. Interesting. I think Alex mentioned Splinter Cell as well. Yeah, the original Splinter Cell.
1: I think it has a path that can run a DX7 path. The thing about that time is that a lot of PC games, so the Xbox had a GeForce 3 variant, GPU in it, right? So it was bringing like DX8 style features forward (laughs) and modern pixel shaders, you know, for the time, but PC ports would often feature that, but they would also have to have like a fixed function uh, path for other lower tier cards. And I think I saw somebody mention that games that are designed to run on a GeForce 2 are generally good candidates for RTX Remix. (laughs) <laughs> because the the GeForce 2 cannot support those more advanced shaders and such so uh anything GeForce 2 era is kind of like fair game I would say
0: mm-hmm. um well I'd like to see uh Quake 3 Arena that should be oh, doable, yeah. right mm-hmm. I would think so and and um but the holy grail for me, and I don't know if it's possible with RTX Remix, is basically everything that Sega ever did on Sega Model 1, 2, oh. or 3 arcade boards, which basically means, well, the question is whether those, you know, like the Supermodel emulator would actually be able to access that um, uh, that fixed function path. Like, it's been around for decades, yeah. Supermodel. So I'm, pos- possibly...
1: really just kind of... oh man that's a good question i don't know how how it's actually designed to work and how it calls the graphics card and whether that could be you could sort of inject this in there i mean emulators in general i think are an interesting uh
0: option (laughs) absolutely gamecube
1: would be great with dolphin i want to see metroid prime with this but again i'm not entirely sure if it's possible if there is the older path available uh ps2 maybe I saw somebody uh, doing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, the PC port, and that was actually looking pretty all right. I mean, everything's very oh, reflective wow. to begin with when you just go with it. But uh, yeah, it's it's such a cool idea, and I really want to see what developers can accomplish with it and just modders in general.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, obviously, we had that teaser of Half-Life 2 using the Portal RTX files directly injected. Um, I think that would be another fantastic candidate. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to the next question. This one from Gabe. Um, As a 3070 owner who enjoys gaming on his LG C1, my biggest complaint with DLSS is that it has little to no impact on VRAM usage, despite the lower internal resolutions. Uh, I'd be interested to know why that is, and if there's anything NVIDIA could do about it, in theory at least. I I think I'll take this one. Yeah, please. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, First of all, I think um, it's quite interesting to note that actually changing internal rendering resolution, um, it does have an impact on VRAM, but it's not as big as perhaps you would think. Um, And the biggest consumer of um, memory tends to be texture resolution, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Texture quality assets. Um, The other thing is that with DLSS, you're still actually rendering quite a lot of... um, Stuff in native resolution, like post-processing, can often be done in native resolution. So it's kind of like a hybrid between resolutions. And you're still going to be using, I mean, let's say you're using DLSS up to 4K. You're still going to be drawing upon the highest quality textures, which is the main occupier of VRAM. So I suspect that's why you're seeing that. And I'm not sure there's much NVIDIA can do about it. Um, I, I guess you as a user could turn down texture quality, but I'm not sure you'd want to at something like 4K resolution. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's why I think we're going to be seeing uh, larger VRAM allocations proving more useful uh, moving into the future. Um, let's move on to the next question. Uh, this one from Andre Nehring. Uh, the software you use to make the performance analysis is built by yourself, right? Right. Right. Um, I can bet many people would love to have access to it, like other content producers and maybe even game developers to help them identify common issues. Out of curiosity, didn't you ever think about releasing it to the public somehow? It could become popular if open sourced, even if paid. Some people would possibly be willing to pay for it and it could be an extra cash source for DF. So this is an interesting question, right, John? Because obviously, mm-hmm. you know, I, I built these tools and, um, and then um, you came along a few years later and started using them. And I think the bottom line is that it's it's not a one size, it's, it's not an, a completely automated solution that's going to tell you everything you know, no. need to know about the frame rate of the game, right? So what do you make of so, this question?
1: Yeah, the, the big problem here is that uh, it's not an automated process and there's a lot that can go wrong. And every time you run a game through there, different games, because it's essentially reading just what comes out of the HDMI port, it has no sort of like internal connection to the game itself, right? And things can go wrong with that HDMI, including, you know, some consoles with the dithered output. The PS3 is famous for this. You know, depending on how screen tearing manifests, there's so many different variables that can essentially cause bad data. And if you don't know, it's not. You can do an analysis, but maybe not notice that oh, some of this data is bad, and just put it out there. Uh, it really takes Which a careful. Has happened a lot. Yeah, it takes a careful. Not not with us though. That the.
0: Well, yeah, I think that's that's basically it. I mean, um, we well, I started off doing frame rate analysis in like two thousand and eight with really basic command line tools that would scan like an AVI file that you capture losslessly from from the console. And uh, it quickly became evident that um, you needed some way to do error checking. Uh, there's yes. actually a video on the channel about um, how we analyze console performance, and it actually shows you the various tools we've got. And a lot of the effort in this, in creating this tool wasn't so much about refining the algorithm, although that did happen. Um, it was actually about being able to check and double check that the data is correct, um, because a lot of things can happen, and um, there is actually an open-source frame rate analysis tool called TearDrop or TearDrop, and I recommend you check that out. And it is the sort of tool that's used by a lot of people. Um, and it's, I guess it would be fine for like VSync games, uh, assuming that you're giving it the right inputs. Uh, quite a lot of that's people actually problem. just were in- inputting like lossy data into it and getting false positives on on performance drops, stuff like that. And um yeah, basically I think the <laughs> the bottom line in answering this question is that um the tool's only as good as the person operating it in in a lot of scenarios. And uh, you're quite right, John. There are some consoles that have like a I mean, we'll put it this way, let's you've got an HDMI port, it's a digital output. So in right. theory, if you have two frames that are the same then the data should be identical from one frame to the next. Right. And therefore you can find a drop frame. But as we've seen, you mentioned the PS3. Um, The PS5 actually does it in, in one of its modes as well. Yeah, one of its well, modes. Where an identical frame isn't identical. And so, you know, if you just blindly t- trusted the tool, You every game would be running at 60 frames per second when that's clearly not the case. And I think that's
1: (laughs) the reason the tools shouldn't be made available, really. That's the risk, anyway, is that we wouldn't want a bunch of data appearing with our graphs and these tools that was wrong, because that already happens a lot with Teardrop, where I've seen tons of videos out there that just the results aren't correct, and it's just down to user error it's not, I don't think it's intentional by any means. It's just, it's very easy to make those mistakes, especially when the errors are only minor, you know? Like it's like, oh, it's missing tears or something, or it's reporting false positives and that kind of stuff. So it's
0: tricky, Mm -hmm. it's tricky. I mean, I looked at TearDrop a couple of years ago and I noted that there was no way to actually check for errors it was just input and output from what I remember. Maybe it's changed since then, but that's the reason we don't supply our tools because, you know, basically it's it's not a foolproof solution that bad data could get out and we don't want our name associated with it, really.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, we got a final question here from Garten Rice. Uh it's for Alex actually, and Alex isn't here. But we do know the we do know what Alex would, yeah, we know would what say he said. here. We did ask him. Yeah, uh, Alex, would you rather play a game with awesome raid facing effects, with the caveat that it has hashtag status struggle, <laughs> or a game without any raid facing but perfect performance? Yeah, uh, yeah, he 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 wouldn't go near a game that has status struggle, but awesome raid facing. I think was the that uh, was the was answer. The, so the performance
1: the- is the most important aspect for him.
0: And mm-hmm, absolutely,
1: stutters aren't worth the hit just to have beautiful ray tracing. So,
0: yeah. Unless he had the shader Butler, of course, of course, <laughs> who would come in and play the game for him and pre-cache all, all the shaders. Exactly. But no, he's uh, he's definitely performance first. There, I think it's something we all agree with, right? There's absolutely, no real controversy there. Exactly. Okay, <laughs> so we answered answered a bunch of questions here. We answered some more in the R D N A three. Uh, part of the show uh, but i think that's gonna uh, be enough for this week so yes indeed <laughs> um that's it that's the end of the show if you enjoyed it please do like subscribe share ring the bell for those notionally instant notifications no guarantees never any guarantees there uh, that is my disclaimer uh df supporter program join us to you know become part of the show submit your questions um and uh, get early access to the show. All manner of goodness on the supporter program, of course, early access to a bunch of stuff, bonus materials, uh, amazing DF retro content. There's a lot going on there, but that's all from us for this week. Thanks for watching.